Good morning, everyone. I, uh, we filled in a little bit of this mask, but I was like, man, the Broncos aren't even good. So today, uh, there's one phrase that's mistranslated in our gospel. Of course, you know me. But there's one phrase that's mistranslated today, and it's tragic because it opens up the whole gospel. So we're going to go into that. And the whole mistranslation uh, centers around, in the Greek, what it says, it talks about the evil eye. So, you know what the evil eye is, right? Some of you are giving it to me right now. Uh, your kids do it to you, right? They look at you with that look. You give it to you, to your boyfriend or your girlfriend, or your spouse. We all are familiar with the evil eye. And Jesus talks about it in this parable today. And uh, what it is, is here we're in Matthew chapter 20. And if you get this, it opens up this whole parable. So, in verse six, or 15 today, he says, oh, yes, there it is, verse 15. So, in the RSV it says, Do you begrudge my generosity, which is also a bad translation. And then A.B. today that we heard at Mass, it said, Are you jealous because I am generous? Or are you envious because I am generous? What it actually says in the Greek is it says, Is your eye evil because I am good? Is your eye evil because I am good? That's the literal Greek in Matthew 20, 16. Well, what does that mean? In the Bible, that phrase means something really different from the way you and I use it. I remember I used to have this Bible study, one of the ones I've led over the years, and there was a guy who came every week, and he looked like he was in absolute misery every week. Some of you look that way at Mass, by the way. Some of you, I look out, and I'm like, someone asked me this week, they're like, Father Brian, can you see us at Mass? I'm like, uh-huh, sure can, and, I, and it looks like I'm causing you physical pain. This Bible study I lead, this guy, every week he had this look on his face like, oh. I'm like, why are you coming? If you hate Bible study that much, like, you don't have to be here. Turns out he didn't know how he came across. <clears throat> but in the Bible, here's what this means. The evil eye in the Bible doesn't mean that. And if we catch that phrase, it should remind us of another place that Jesus speaks about this in the same gospel. So this is Matthew 20. In Matthew 6, there's a line all of you have heard many times. Matthew 6, 22, Jesus says this. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is sound, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. I remember hearing that read at Mass my whole life, and it just seemed like another one of those weird Bible phrases, and you're like, whatever that means, Lord, I have no idea what that means. The evil eye in the Bible means one thing. 
It means hardening your heart against the poor. That's what it means. And it goes all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 15. And we could talk about the materially poor, which is what Deuteronomy 15 is about. And we can expand it, though, and I want to do that today. This is not merely the material poor. All of us do this. Where someone's hurting or we think of them as lesser, and we harden our hearts against them. That's what the evil eye means. And it's no mistake that in Matthew 6, that phrase that Jesus uses is framed on either side by Jesus' teaching about money. One of them, the first one, is about storing up treasure in heaven, which is about almsgiving to the poor. Then you get the evil eye, and then the next one is about how you cannot worship God and money. And so today in our parable in Matthew chapter 20, at the end of the parable, this, should, this opens this up. Jesus turns to this person who complains, and he says, is your eye evil because I am good? And here's what this means for us. Brothers and sisters, this parable has so many facets to it, but this parable is about the poor. And then it starts off, and we're told, you know, there's a vineyard. And Jesus says the kingdom of heaven will be like a vineyard. Well, anyone who's in ancient Israel knows that when you talk about a vineyard, and especially in terms of a kingdom, you are talking about Israel. In Isaiah chapter 5 and in Psalm 80, God uses these major images of Israel as a vineyard. So much so that in, in the time of Christ, the temple, when they built the new temple before, just before him, they carved vines into the external facade of the temple building. And then they covered it with gold. So Jesus is using, this morning, a very common image that Jews would have known. And now listen to this parable of fresh ears. The vineyard is Israel in the Bible. We could say as Christians it's the covenant. And this landowner is of course God. And he goes out early in the morning. He goes at 6 a.m. And he goes out to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now think about this. If you were going to do that, and you had, there's a bunch of people, and maybe you've seen this, that I... We're all talking about immigration these days and the immigration crisis. I've ne I never get out. I don't know if you know this, but I just like live in Lourdes. My entire life, I never leave this place. My priest friends are like, if Father Brian makes it past Santa Fe, it's a minor miracle. <laughs> um, but I had to go to Home Depot last week, and it's a great image of this. I've never seen this before. I went to Home Depot, and I swear there were 50 men standing at the entrance of Home Depot waiting for someone to hire them. It's just like today's parable. If you were going to do that, if you were running a business and you were going to hire people to work for you for the day, you would choose people who look like me. Fit, <laughs> handsome, right? able to bear a heavy load. That's what you would do. And think about it. The landowner goes out Five times. 
And by the time you get later in the day, guess who's left waiting for work? It's the nobodies. It's the weak and the poor and those that are not impressive. That's who's left over. And this landowner today goes out and he seeks after them. These are the poor. And this line at the end of today's gospel is your eye evil because I am good. What that means is that the landowner didn't hire these people because he needed more work to be done. He hired them because he is merciful. And he is good. And so brothers and sisters, today the first thing I just want you to hear is that before we talk about how we behave, we should first just rejoice this is who God is. God does not have an evil eye. He does not look at you and your poverty and your brokenness and despise you. He doesn't do that. He looks at you with a good eye, with an eye that loves, that sees a human person. That's a powerful thing. God sends his son into the world, not for the righteous, but to call sinners, as we heard last week. Right? God has his eye where he looks to the heart and where he loves all of us, even in our poverty. That's an amazing thing. And maybe in your life, one way to read this parable is that at the different hours, these, are, these could be people who didn't want to work. And maybe in the morning of your life, God came to you, but you didn't want to follow him. And maybe he came into your life again at noon and you still weren't there. And maybe now you're wondering, has he given up on me? But he keeps sending out his son and seeking after us to enter into the vineyard, which is his covenant. What are you doing with your life? We all know this. You wouldn't be here if you didn't know this. But we need to hear this, don't we? The most important thing in your life is not your job. The most important thing in your life is not your house. It's not the size of your bank account. And it's not your washboard abs. Right? The, the most important thing in your life is your relationship with him. And I want to challenge you today, brothers and sisters, don't wait until the end of the day. Right? Say yes to that invitation right away. For, our, for us, not having an evil eye, right? this should challenge us that we should look at others with a good eye. We should see them in their goodness, in their God-given dignity. And we should learn to love others. Right? Out of the heart comes this way of seeing things. 
We all do this. We all look around and we, we size other people up. And especially with the poor, it's easy for us to cast judgments on them and not to love them. And so today's gospel is absolutely challenged to every one of us that if we have been looked at by God with a good eye, you and I are also called to look at others the same way. But I want to bring it back finally today just, just to your life. So Origin makes a wonderful connection to today's gospel. And what he does is he connects it to the Last Supper. And so at the Last Supper, Jesus says he drinks from the cup of blessing, which is what we have at Mass, right? He, and he gives us the Eucharist. But then he says afterwards, he says, I shall not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day I drink it new with you in God's kingdom. I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And so Origen says, today's gospel, Jesus is the Lord of the vineyard, and vineyards, of course, produce wine, and so he connects it to this passage of the Last Supper, and here's what he says. He says, Jesus does not want to drink the wine alone in the kingdom of God. He is waiting for us. It is we who, by neglecting our lives, delay his joy. He is waiting. But until when? Origen says he is waiting until I have completed your work, he says. When does he complete this work? When he will have completed me and perfected me, who am the last and the worst of all sinners. Then he completes his work. For now, his work is still imperfect and unfinished because I remain imperfect and unfinished. And origin goes on from there. Brothers and sisters, rejoice today. Very simply, what wonderful news. God loves the poor. He does not harden his heart towards them. He does not see them with his eye in an evil way. He does not size us up and only see our faults and our sins. He desires every single one of us to enter into his vineyard. And I don't know where you're at today. I don't know where you're at in your life of faith. If you're kind of at an average place in life, or maybe you feel like you've been away. He'll keep coming. He'll seek you out. He loves you and he calls you to enter into the vineyard and to labor with him. So Jesus, today, Lord, may we hear your call. May we not stand idle all of our lives working on foolish things. Jesus, may your mercy and your goodness truly open our hearts that we might come into the vineyard and Jesus, 
May we one day drink wine new with you in the kingdom of God. Let us now stand and profess our faith.